Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Robert Richardson, General Manager of the historic Grand Hotel in Folkestone and just all-round top guy. Coming up on today's show, Robert reveals a love for hoarding creepy items in his house. Clearly my house at that time was for the fairground mirrors. Robert and Phil talk about chips and beef dripping. He used to serve... Uh, chips in beef dripping. Still does. And Phil proves that the shows really are unedited. (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry. All that and a whole lot more as Robert talks us through his story and journey to date. This time, a big thank you to the Dorset City for giving us a space for the chat. If you like what you hear, don't forget to hit subscribe and search us out on all the social channels. Enjoy. Well, hello and welcome to the next edition of Hospitality Meets with me, your host, Phil Street. And today I'm delighted to, to welcome Robert Richardson from the, the Grand Hotel in Folkestone. Recently named Boutique Hospitality Manager of the Year in 2019. A member of the Board of Trustees for the Institute of Hospitality. A very people-focused leader with a strong body of work inspiring school leavers, people with disabilities and people coming from disadvantaged backgrounds into our industry. Also a winner of a number of awards, including the IOH Judges Special Achievement Award. And we'll, we'll go into detail about what all this means, I'm sure, as part of your story. And the SME Community Impact Award for Employability Support. 2019 led the grant to being named the best hospitality employer in the UK by the Springboard Charity. That's a hell of a, a list of achievements. It is, yeah. And and welcome to the show. Well, no, thank you for inviting me. It really feels like five minutes ago I was watching you on stage in the West End at the Springboard Panto. So uh, <laughs> funny how this keeps coming up. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I couldn't do it. So um, all kudos to you, sir. Very good. So maybe without further ado, you could just kick off by giving me or us, sorry, a run through of your story and and who you are and how you've ended up where okay. you are. Well, um, as you say, I'm Robert Richardson, and I'm general manager of a uh, premises in Folkestone, Kent, called The Grand. We're a grade two listed venue. We sit at the top of the cliffs overlooking the English Channel, and we've been there for well over 100 years. Um, concurrent you to haven't, that, no. I haven't, no. No, no, no yeah. either. I haven't got that good a moisturiser. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, aside from that, I'm the, a member of the Board of Trustees for the Institute of Hospitality, um, I'm a member of a business crime advisory group for Kent Police, and I do something called hashtag inspiring hospitality talent, where I work with uh, people who are about to become school leavers or people from disadvantaged backgrounds, uh, people with hidden or visible disabilities, and inspire them into our industry. Great. Well, we'll definitely talk about that in a bit more depth, I think, uh, as the as the chat goes on. But let's go all the way back to the beginning. How did you get into this industry? And just talk us through your your journey to this point. Okay, so um, back in the day, uh, I finished my GCSEs and I was coming out of mainstream education and I had this chasm I was facing, which is essentially, what do I do? Do I go into further education? Do I go into employment? Do I do this? Do I do that? What do I do? Yeah. And careers education at the time wasn't great. I was prepared academically for my future, but past that, there was nothing. So I really didn't know what to do. Um, I did the logical thing I felt at the time in joining my friend's group in taking a college course. Um, That college course wasn't for me, so I dropped out. And then I found that was it. I had no reason to get up the next day. And I scratched my head and I started thinking, I'm going to have to get a job. 
and I started applying for hotels. Um, the reason I did that is I had a family member who was a porter in a hotel, okay. and it was the one industry I knew the slightest thing about. Um, every hotel I applied for didn't respond to me. Right. And at this point, I've got no real CV. I don't know how to write a CV, incidentally. Um, I've had no interview training, and I'm just sitting there waiting for the phone to ring. Right. One hotel, a post house, um, did write back to me, and they said they'd like to see me for an interview. So I came in, and I got my best ill-fitting suit on, no experience. I <laughs> uh, got the bus up because I was... Uh, unable to drive at the time yeah. and I went into this hotel and I remember thinking this hotel is the biggest place I've ever been and it was hugely intimidating and then the the GM came out and the GM was six foot wide seven foot tall hulking rugby player type uh, guy versus me and that didn't help my nerves touch intimidated just a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah so I sat down couldn't really spring uh, string two words together and we went through a couple of options as to what jobs would be. So there was opportunities in the restaurant. Um, I wasn't old enough to work in a bar at that at that point because I really was a school leaver. Right. And uh, opportunities in housekeeping, opportunities in maintenance. And I really didn't know what any of that was. So when he's asking me what I'd like to do and I'm staring there blankly, I don't think I was inspiring much confidence. <laughs> um, he then turned around to me and he said, look, I'm, if I give you a job, what will it do for me? And I said, honestly, it, it won't do anything for you because I just don't know what I'm doing. But if you give me a job, I'll earn it. And he said, OK, I'm going to give you a job for three months and it's going to be in our restaurant. And if you've got that job in three months and one day, you have earned it. And I stayed at that hotel for three and a half years. So right. I think it worked. Um, I progressed really? quite quickly. Uh, I became a supervisor, duty manager, key holder, went into the bar operation, learnt stock control, and I really enjoyed my time there. But I would never have done it if this gentleman hadn't taken a risk on me when he had absolutely no reason to do so. Right. Um, eventually that hotel was sold and new owners came in, new vision. I thought this really is a good time to leave. And I started working for other branded hotels up to the point I became the youngest deputy hotel manager for Hilton. And following that, I joined the Grand. And all the while, I worked with some incredibly inspiring people and I learned a lot of skills. Um, when I worked for Intercontinental, and I was very food and beverage focused at this point, yeah. they put me on an accelerated leadership development program in Glasgow. So I would spend my off days in Glasgow and my on days in Kent at that hotel. And it was a very full on time in my life. But I learned revenue management, business strategy, and just the etiquette of being a business leader. And these are things that certainly when I joined the hotel industry, you weren't taught. Yep. So I've been very fortunate that people have taken risks on me. And I do hope that I've paid it back. Uh, and then I joined the Grand. And what I liked about the Grand... Um, was it was an independent, still is an independent. The vision is led by the team versus an SOP guide. And up until this point, my experience is predominantly branded. So yep. I've worked for Hilton, Ramada, etc. and loved it. But it was an exciting risk. And again, being a GM at 28, that was something that the 17-year-old version of me never thought would be possible. Right. So I took it with um, both hands and I think we've made a success of it. Yeah, well, clearly, because you're still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what um, what age did you become a general manager? Uh, twenty eight. It was twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay. So um, who was it that gave you your shot? Because I mean, that, with the best will in the world, that's that's young for yeah. a general manager. 
But um, there's a saying in sport, and I think I've said this in one of the other um, chats that, that I've had, that um, if you're good enough, you're old enough. I don't think, um, and something I'll, I hope I'll touch on later, I don't think there's a barrier to age. My youngest member of staff is 16, my oldest is 77, and they're all incredibly talented, committed people. Age is just a number on a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> how the grand came about is I was, I'd been with Hilton for a year, I'd learned a lot from them, mm. and I credit, certainly if I have any financial skill, I credit Hilton with teaching me that. And one day out of the blue via LinkedIn, I had a message from um, a recruitment uh, agent and they said this opportunity had turned up. Would I be interested? Yeah. And I said, yes, I would. And they said, great. Can you interview this afternoon? Right. So I said, OK, that gives me absolutely no time to prepare. And they said, we're very advanced in the process. We'd like you to come down and um, actually meet the hotel owners. So I trucked off down to the Grand, had a mammoth three-hour interview. I genuinely felt like I'd been uh, six rounds with Mike Tyson at the end of it. Right. And the next day I got a call saying they'd like you to come back. So I did, and a week later they said um, they'd like to offer me the role. So then it went down to the boring side, remuneration, contract, etc. We ironed those out, and I took the job. And right. I'm genuinely very, very glad I did. Yeah. How long have you been there now? Uh, ten years. Ten years. Ten years. Wow. Yeah. Ten years as GM. As GM. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fabulous. That in itself is a success story. Um, okay. So, uh, holding the reins of a property for that long, you must have seen quite a lot of change in that time. Yes. Uh, talk me through some of the major things that you've you've overseen in that time. One of the major things we found, certainly in our area, um, as I said earlier, we are at the end of the country, we're on a cliff overlooking the English Channel, so our catchment is 180 degrees, and that's in terms of customers, in terms of talent through our doors. Everything is slightly heightened, it's definitely tougher. Um, the biggest influx we've seen is the HS1, so we now have the high-speed rail link to London, which is a couple of minutes away from our front door, right. and that's seen a massive regeneration in the town, of which we've had to keep up. And we're an independent business, we're an SME, we've got finite resources, we don't have the resources that I would have enjoyed when I worked for Hilton or Intercontinental. Yeah. So just keeping up and keeping ahead and doing that consistently has been a challenge, but one that I think my team and I have uh, risen to. Right. You know what my experience of Folkestone is? Yeah. Mark Sargent had a restaurant. I don't. He, he still, still does, does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, he used to serve uh, chips in beef dripping. He still does. Oh. Yeah, it's good. One of my favourite food experiences. Yeah. Uh, that was a simple thing, but really, really delicious. Well, this is the thing. Sometimes you're in a hotel, you don't always want to eat steak or lobster. Sometimes you just want beans on toast. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the home comfort side of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, talk to us about the grand um, and kind of, what? Well, just, yeah, talk to us about the, the business. What what are you to the world? I think to the world, we, we're very many things. To Folkestone, we are somewhere that your grandparents went to, your parents went to, you went to, your children go to. We are all things to all people to that extent. Yeah. Everyone in our community has heard of us. Um, our two biggest claims to fame are Murder on the Orient Express, fantastic novel brag of the Christie was written here. Um, if you've I... ever read the book, we were the hotel that um, had the passengers who made it to England, they would have come to us and the Orient Express is actually still our client to this day and um, we get a lot of business especially from America 
who come through for Agatha, Agatha Christie historical tours. Right. Um, secondly, on our roof, we've got a light that flashes out in Morse code, and that was installed very recently by Yoko Ono of the uh, Beatles fame. Yeah, yeah. And again, these bring people to us. Um, we've got three restaurants, two bars, 10,000 square foot of conference and banqueting space, a lovely uh, bespoke wine bar, which is very separate to the rest of the property. Yep. And I think a lot of people know us. Certainly over the last 10 years, we have seen our reputation grow. And that's not an egocentric statement. We know um, where our business comes from. We know how people hear about us. And I think these days, certainly with social media, everyone's posting their breakfast online, their working environment, yep. genuinely their life. So we live in a very voyeuristic society. And that certainly helped move us forward because people have ownership, people know us before they've set through our doors. Yeah. And certainly some of our business partners, they are invested in us because they want to see us succeed. And I think some of our business partners go the extra mile for us versus some other of their clients purely because of what we do and where we sit. Mm. And I think that's such a privileged position to be in. Yeah. I think that the point you made there about you can it sounds like you know your place like you know exactly who you are and i think uh, uh, your business benefits from having that uh, as do human beings yes. you know the um, it's just a, it's a connection thing and and understanding where you sit in the grand scheme of things pardon the, the pun <laughs> well that's um, that's the downside you call something the grand and when we get it wrong which occasionally we do watch the uh, titles of the TripAdvisor reviews or the google reviews yeah 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 so, i can yeah. imagine yeah yeah um, well, I mean, maybe that leads us on to some uh, to a, a logical next question in in the sense of you've been in the industry now since the age of seventeen. Six, seventeen. So um, you must have seen some funny things in your time. Tell us some funny stories. Okay, um, we're quite a large uh, venue in terms of CMB space. Uh, yeah. As I said, ten thousand square feet. And a few years ago, we were booked for Folkestone's first sci-fi convention. Okay. Uh, which, okay. Um, but it was a good piece of business to have. And it was on a Saturday. It had a lot of preparation. The The actual preparation on the client side with us was meticulous. And um, I credit them that. And I thought, actually, I've never been to a sci-fi convention. I'm genuinely, genuinely curious. So on my uh, day off, I came into Folkestone and I came through the, the front doors, these great revolving doors. And all of a sudden there was this very stressed-looking um, lady with a the clipboard there. And she grabbed me by the hand as soon as I came through and started herding me towards a function room. So to do that, you go through a conservatory at the front of the building, through an oak-panelled lounge, and then you're into a suite of interconnecting function rooms. Right. And she's telling me off for being late. And I can't get a word in edgeways at this point. Right. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not late. It's my day off. Yeah. And so I says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What am I late? What have I done? And she said, you should have been here half an hour ago. Your costume's over there. And now I'm really scratching my head. And I said, what costume? She said, you need to get into character. The booth's there. So I look round and it's a booth, uh, photos with Doctor Who. Oh, okay. And I'm standing there thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not the, the Doctor Who lookalike. I'm the hotel's uh, general manager. Oh, you should have got into costume. And, well, in fairness, <laughs> when I walked um, there about an hour later and the guy was there... He seemed to be making quite a lot of money for photographs, so I think I missed a trick. Right. So my staff certainly, uh, my team enjoyed that story, and occasionally it does come up. Yeah. So that was certainly the funniest thing that's ever happened to me. Right. Got you. Well, I mean, this, it never amazes me that the, the diversity of humour that comes from this industry. Um, mm. There's all manner of stuff 
that can happen. It's the stories that make the the interesting things. Yeah. It makes your day interesting. It uh, does. And beyond the day-to-day of business. I think certainly our industry, something I like and something um, I always tell people is one of the best aspects of it is genuinely no two days are the same, irrespective yeah. of your job. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. Um, what's your biggest achievement? Biggest so achievement? I think I've got two. I was thinking about this, actually, before I saw you today. And, I mean, first and foremost, last year we led the grand provincial independent business, finite resources, to being named the Springboard um, Employer of the Year. And I can't tell you how much that meant to us. We took the little business that could and we stood head and shoulders on a stage in London being given that award and it was incredible and the caliber of talent who was shortlisted for that award and I can only imagine nominated for that award was incredible mm. and I remember looking out I brought some of my team with me and we're looking out across this sea of faces and I think there was a mix of people that were cheering us well done fantastic and then another mix of people thinking and who are they right and it was incredible and I, I they whisked you off stage quite quickly to take photographs and it was an incredibly emotional moment for myself and my team. Uh, this was a Friday night, so I got to take the award home for the weekend, which was great. Then right. I had to give it back on the Monday morning. Like but actually, up. yeah, bringing that to the team, bringing that to Folkestone was incredible. And we still get people in Folkestone turning around saying, well done, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And I think it's testament to the fact that it really isn't the resource that's important. It's the impact. Yeah. And I think we we have the will to succeed. We don't always have the money. We don't always have the resource, but we've got the will. Yeah, but you know, in, in situations like that, even you have uh, you you say you you stood on stage and you had some people in the room saying, uh, <coughs> "Who who are these?" You've already had an impact on them because if they didn't know you before, they sure as hell know you now, sure. uh, and for all the right reasons uh, as well because of the the good work that you're doing. As I say, it it was an incredible feeling and it lifted the team. But the um, the other achievement I'm most proud of, and this is one of several um, stories that I've got in the same vein, but um, something I do at the Grand, something I'm very proud of, is periodically we invite school children and their teachers in for breakfast. And they'll come in, they'll have breakfast in one of our function rooms, and as I say, we're a grade two listed building, so we're yeah. quite palatial in terms of a look. And we will have breakfast with them and we'll just talk. Yeah. And when we've done that, we'll give them a tour of front and back of house. So we'll show them where the money gets spent, what happens behind the scenes and how many facets we've got in our industry. And you know, on our staff, we've got a social media strategist. We've got musicians. We've got plumbers, not just the typical roles people um, associate with hospitality. Yeah. When that's done, we'll either do um, a speed mentoring se- uh, session with some of my team or a treat. Um, as example, the most recent visit, we took them into our wine bar and we gave the students, and these are 15 to 17 year olds, uh, a mocktail masterclass, which was fantastic. And just before Christmas, I'm in my office, it's a busy pressured time, and there's a very confident knock on my door. And a young lady called Alicia comes in, and she's joined the business about a month ago. She's um, just over 18 years old. And she said to me, she wanted to tell me that two years ago, she joined me with her school for breakfast, and she had a tour of of our business. And when she left, she told all of her family and all of her friends, this is the place she wanted to work. And the reason she came to see me is because two years later, she does. And I have to say that uh, that was incredibly touching. I was so proud of that story. Yeah. Now we skip forward to just a few weeks ago, and our apprenticeship partners Sodexo and Hit invited us to the um, hospitality day at the House of Commons. 
And the morning that day, unfortunately, my diary prohibited me for going from going. So I sent Alicia and my assistant up there. Right. And the point I walked into the room, into the House of Commons, Alicia's on stage, confidently addressing about 250 members of parliament, business people, VIPs, telling her, telling them that story. And I, that was a real heart in my mouth moment. Yeah. And I'm not that Can sentimental, imagine. but that was incredible. And I thought, we've got that right. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I think the, the, the point you make about that is that sometimes you don't see instant mm. gratification for for you know, an idea like that. But if you play the long game with that, then you, you're, you're touching people's lives with this. And clearly something spoke to Alicia uh, that she felt like, I want to be part of that. I think so. And yeah. Alicia's one of many stories I can tell. I think we're not just introducing people into a job. We're not just giving them an income. We're giving them a life. Yeah. And by that, I mean they're developing skills. They're entering into an industry. They're finding friends, spouses, family members. It's not just about saying you're hired. Yeah. And also the point you made earlier is one that I really, really uh, connect with. Uh, one of the reasons why the podcast exists, to be honest, is that um, you know, it's not just about the people who cook the food and serve the tables and clean the rooms there's a, a full suite of opportunity in in the industry in the, in terms of engineering marketing as you say social media you know you you kind of name it and the industry can give you a career path i don't think there's many industries out there that have the breadth that we've got and i think championing that is a logical prog- uh, progression yeah uh, recently i brought some students up from kent to london and we organized speed mentoring for them and we had the Strand Palace Hotel, we had a function room, and we had a dozen speed mentors. Mm-hmm. And they were from every aspect of the industry. Yeah. We had a food photographer there, as example. And the students couldn't believe the opportunities available to them. Yeah, And it was just great to see. Yeah, absolutely. But even uh, I, my uh, initial part of my career was on, <coughs> on cruise ships. Mm. And a, a cruise ship's a, a prime example of that, because the engineering takes that to a whole new level. You know, you've got to keep this big ship yep. running and operating. So there's that department. There was also the deck department, the drivers, basically, of the of the ship. Uh, but you also had a medical team. Um, you know, and in there, you've got a legal team that sit back at head office. So literally, think of any job that you could do on the planet Earth. And this industry can provide that. Absolutely. And, uh, and as you say, I, I don't see many other industries that can give you that, that like, total spectrum of career opportunity. I agree. I mean, as myself as an example, I'm a school leaver, no transferable skills, and I get a job in a hotel restaurant on £3.50 an hour. And it taught me so much. And without that person turning around that day and saying, I'm going to take a risk on you, Mm. I don't think I, well, I certainly wouldn't be here now. And I have absolutely no idea where I would be. When was the point, if you can remember or you can recall, um, where you felt like, I'm in? Um, certainly the start of my career, I remember walking around a lot and thinking, what the hell am I doing here? I'm so (laughs) out of my depth. This place is huge. And it kept coming back to, I've got a job. It's incredible. I just don't understand. And that's the phrase, I don't understand. Mm. And it certainly didn't come together for me for a good, I'd say, six months. Because this wasn't just getting a job. This was a culture shock. I'm no longer a school child. I'm now a professional earning money. What do I do? Essentially, I'm master of my own destiny. And that's not a, a lofty um, statement to make. It's mm. a fact. Yeah. And 
I think after about six months when I just moved to the bar and they'd taken a, a show of faith on me and they were teaching me um, stock control, um, bar management, etc. That's the point I think, actually, I'm onto something here. Mm. They, they've, they've not just taken one risk on me, they've taken two. Yeah. So maybe I need to embrace every opportunity I've got. But that's the moment it did come through to me. Yeah. And there was an element of pride, I think. I would always... Um, get ready and you put your shirt on, you put your bow tie on because that was a uniform and there was an element of pride. Yeah. I have to say you've carried that through wonderfully to, to present day. You're always very well dressed when I, you. I see you. Um, but I, I relate to that actually in uh, the early part of my career. I I joined PNO cruise ships not really knowing what I wanted to do and uh, secured a job as a receptionist um, and quickly discovered that you could forge a career just by having a good attitude. Yes. And this was, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I got promoted after um, the first contract uh, away. And initially I, I went into that purely to travel and see the world and then discovered that, oh my God, I, I can I can make a living out of this. I know, it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's people first. If we hire the right people and we look after them, we develop them, we give them every opportunity, yeah. the business genuinely will take care of itself. Yeah. And something I say to my team is, I think by and large, we can teach any skill. Yeah. But teaching them to be enthusiastic, getting out of bed at five o'clock on a cold day, working a shift, coming back the next day, if they haven't got the, the right attitude or they're not the right cultural fit for the business, then you're not going to progress. Yeah. And I'm very fortunate in that we've won a lot of awards for great customer service because we've got the right team. We've got a culturally pleasant environment. Yeah. What is that? Happy workforce means happy guests? It does, yeah. I mean, I don't call us a team. I call us a family. Yeah. We're hashtag hospitality family on social media. We are a family of people. We had our staff awards last month. Yeah. And the looks on everyone's faces. And um, You're standing there watching quite a disparate group of people. As I said, the youngest is um, 16. The oldest is 77. That's in my team. Mm. Um, we've got, from memory, 21 nationalities. Very, very different people who are a family. Right. And it's a great feeling. Yeah. And when we bring people in, they stay. Um, I had to drill down some metrics for work recently. And something I noticed, our staff retention is great. Our turnover rate over the last three years is under 14%. Wow. But we've had six members of staff in that time who have left us and within three months of leaving us have rejoined us. Right. And I don't think there's a greater compliment as an employee. Yeah. As an employer. Even. You thought the grass was greener. Yeah. And yet it's not. It's not. So sometimes it's AstroTurf. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, okay, uh, any regrets? Any things that you look back on and go, ah? Um, you picked up earlier, you made a, you were very complimentary um, about appearance and such. I think a few years ago, there was a, a magazine, which I'm certainly not going to name for reasons that become apparent. and Legal, probably. No. <laughs> um, they called me up and they said, could, could they take me out to lunch? So... You never say no for free lunch. Mm. I had lunch with these guys and they said, we're running a new feature where we're taking business people. We want you to essentially wear your own clothes. We interview you. We then take some photographs and it's basically a, a style supplement for this magazine. So feeling a bit bolstered, I said yes. Um, they came out a couple of weeks later. We're in this local, and it was an, an actual fashion shoot. It was bizarre. Um, in this lovely park area and the magazine came out. 
And I was so embarrassed at that point. It was something that, in my mind, I thought this was great. Yeah. Clearly, my house at that time was full of fairground mirrors. And <laughs> actually seeing it, um, I think the circulation must have quadrupled because I went out and I bought as many copies of that magazine as I could. <laughs> and, um, keep it off the shelves. Keep it off the shelves. Yeah, I, I, that, was a, that was a regret. Um, professionally, I think we've done an awful lot of work with people, certainly over the last year and a half, with... Um, visible or hidden disabilities and people with uh, disadvantaged backgrounds. We led the grand a uh, year and a half ago to becoming Disability Confident Committed, which we're a grade two listed building and that was challenging. Mm. And I'm really very proud of it. Um, we, we ran a scheme with a local training provider where we match funded development to bring people with disabilities back into the workforce and four of that cohort, uh, and this was 43 people over six months, four of them I've actually hired. Right. And I think a regret I've got is I only really started doing this 18 months ago. I really should have done that earlier. Right. And I think I can't think of why I didn't. But um, I think although we were late to the party on that one, we certainly made an impact. Yeah. And we will carry that forward. Yeah, I, I think that's becoming even more um, crucial because, um, you know, things like that really can work across a huge amount of mm. business, but it needs somebody to kind of pioneer it and give it a go before people can look at it and say oh it works um so I, you know i'm going to adopt that and bring that into my business as well because why not well we're actually going for the next level now um we've just been audited and we're waiting for the results but we're confident about moving up to the next level in the um disability confident certification right and i think as i say we were late to the party but we're going to <coughs> oh, excuse me sorry we're definitely going to come back for um for the next one right don't worry, the sneeze will make it into the show. It's, <laughs> Must um, be my aftershave. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what are your your kind of main challenges um, these days in your, your hotel? Um, I think, again, we are competing with a very competitive environment. We have a lot of pop-up businesses in our geographical location, so restaurants, bars, cafes, doing some excellent, innovative things, and we have to keep up with the trend. Um, Certainly, as I said earlier, with the high-speed rail link, people are coming down from London, and there's a very eclectic food and beverage offering up here, and we need to give them something that can uh, compete. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you're um, you're almost competing with London purely because the the transport links are good. Yep. It almost uh, is a merit for high speed to like straight away there, right? I mean, it is. I mean, Friday to Sunday, um, a large amount of our guests, certainly in the summer period, are from London. Right. And there was one day actually, I was um, I was at St Pancras. I was coming home, and I was on the train, and the people behind me were talking about this um, hotel they were going to, and they were very very excited. Monday morning comes, I walk in and they're checking out. Right. I thought, that's fantastic. That's us. So, yeah, that, that was incredible. Yeah. So, I think keeping us competitive, keeping us in an ever-changing marketplace and keeping the the business going. You certainly don't want to be the general manager of a business that's gone for over a century and be the person that turned the lights out of it. Yeah. And I've always said, I'm just the current person sitting in that chair. Yeah. No, absolutely. Have you ever had anything terrifying happened to you or something that really put you on the edge of your seat? Yeah, there was um, a few years ago, I just got home. Um, it was a Tuesday. It was uh, early summer. And as soon as I walked through my door, my phone's ringing, my mobile's ringing. And I've got my duty manager on one line, the fire brigade on the other, and the grand's on fire. Wow. And I've never had to deal with that before. So I get I don't in my even car. work there and that sounds terrifying. It, well, it, it got worse. Um, so I'm flying down... Uh, 
back to Folkestone and the route I'm taking you go through this these um, tunnels built into the hill and when you come out you can see the horizon which is the ocean and the Grand's always on the edge there and as I came out I can see the Grand and this black plume of smoke coming out of it so instantly every thought in my head is loss of life loss of business uh, loss of property every worst case scenario right. now I get there and we've evacuated uh, one person's been sent to hospital with smoke inhalation, and it was it was bad. It wasn't as bad as it could have been, but that was terrifying. Now, this was a Tuesday, <clears throat> and for the first time in a very long time, we had to close. So that night, um, the fire was a power surge in our switch room, and that had caused an electrical fire, and everything in the switch room is obviously plastic, mm. so that had caused a plastic fire. So with no electric and with um, smoke in the building, we'd evacuated. So for the first time, it was very eerie. It was about one o'clock in the morning, and I'm standing there, and you can hear a pin drop because there's just nothing. The building is essentially dead. Right. And we managed to get back operational for the Friday morning, but that took an awful lot of work. Right. Um, but that is as bad as it's ever been. Right. But I think, to me, in a weird way, that's that kind of sums up the industry, not fires. <laughs> but um, is that you know, there's a, a lot of scenarios that one you would have had some kind of plan in place to deal with something like that. I'm sure, but ultimately, you, you when it <laughs> happens, you still have to be able to kind of deal with it. Yeah. Um, and the the industry for me is fantastic at dealing with the problems that present themselves and it, it this is a, a skill that i think that people take with them through their lives is that that means that anything that happens you're not phased by you just kind of have to apply a problem solving mentality to i agree i agree i mean um, again we're an independent and we're dependent on cash flow so it's a very reactive way of running a business obviously we've been doing it now for many years so it's working yeah but we're a resilient business we're a resilient industry look at the challenges that come our way at the moment the recent immigration policy yeah that's the case in point yeah well i mean i think the the, the dust is not settled on that one yet uh no, no um and i suppose we'll find out um whether government actually listens to uh, the voices of of industry uh, at some point one would hope yeah but we'll um well we'll see what happens yes. uh, with that um, okay, uh, do is there somebody who has been like a shining light for you in your career, somebody you turn to for, for mentorship? I think um, I've been lucky in that throughout my career there's been people that have supported me. I've never had, and it's a regret of mine, I've never had a designated mentor. Um, certainly recent years um, I meet some very, I'm very privileged in fact, to meet some very influential, some very inspiring people, yeah. yourself included. I mean, watching you on the uh, West what? End stage, wow, I couldn't do that. <laughs> That's incredible. So, well, Some would argue I can't do that. But, um, but <laughs> well, I wouldn't be one of them. Um, but as I say, I'm, I'm very lucky to constantly be surrounded you know, in my place of business in London on the board of IOH with some incredibly inspiring people. And the world is a lot smaller via social media. Yeah. And there's people on there that inspire me. Um, currently, I've been so fortunate that over the last few years, when I need advice, you've got amazing people like Robin Shepherd, um, Brenda Collin from Preferred Hotels, uh, Michael Gray from the Novotel, and so many other people who I can turn to for advice and guidance. And yeah. If you work in a branded hotel group or a, um, a part of a, a group chain, there's always more than one person doing your job. And yeah. one of the, it's not negatives, but of my position is it is essentially a pyramid structure. And at the top rests the GM 
and when you have an issue or you just want to talk to someone, your options are slightly limited. Right. And there's been more than one occasion where I've spoken to Brenda or Robin or a litany of people who have given me a bit of clarity and a bit of guidance and occasionally turn around and said, look, you're being an idiot, so maybe <laughs> do something a bit better. And that's good. Yeah. Um, but as I say... I think by osmosis, the fact that I do sit on boards with these people or get to spend time with them, I hope I get to uh, pick up some of their unarguable talents. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's one of the things that I've realised over the last, especially over the last couple of years, as we're presented with challenges that are not going away anytime soon. Mm. Uh, you know, the the one that sits <coughs> right in front of us is is around staffing. Uh, I think everybody kind of cold comfort is everybody's feeling the same but it's now that I'm feeling that there's a real collaboration mentality coming to the table with this Mm. and that that there's an awful lot of talent and skill and knowledge and capability that sits out there that should be tapped into we can we can solve the problems that are presented we've just got to collectively do it um, and not wait for somebody else absolutely take the take the lead on it um, no, I agree. And ultimately, we are masters of our own destiny to an extent. Yeah. We do need to take the lead on things. Yeah. And I think that you know part of that process is, is highlighting to the wider world that this is a wonderful industry to come and work in. Um, and it's not about um, you know long hours and crappy pay and shouty kitchens. Mm. <clears throat> and whilst I don't doubt that these um, environments exist, it's not the norm. You know, no, it's, it's not. It's it, not. But it's just the thing that gets the coverage because it sounds sensational and it sells. Qualificationally, I'm a chef, and I've worked in kitchens as a chef, and I don't recognise that culture. I think, um, I mean, it's very good for celebrity chefs to shout to get the ratings up, and um, I mean, one example: uh, take someone out on camera, put a slice of bread either side of them, and say, um, "You're an idiot sandwich." That's something that is always in my mind. Probably. That's not about promoting the industry. That's about driving ratings, and that's. Yeah promoting a vision of the industry that is wrong yeah and i mean my kitchen it's um very very laid back it's a great culture but again we talked earlier about um, our staff retention it's because we have the right culture i mean what other industry takes a school leaver with absolutely nothing going for him and brings him into an industry where the sky really is the limit yeah yeah uh, yeah i mean you know that that's the the big point for me (coughs) is is that the 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 wider message isn't necessarily actually what happens, um, and we're all duty bound to to raise that mm. uh, profile. I think, and even somebody like me who operates in the shadows, as I call it, um, <laughs> in the industry, where I, you know I'm not an operator anymore, but I'm weirdly more passionate about the industry now than I ever have been, um, and I think I'm in a unique position because I get to see a massive spectrum of businesses of people. So I, c- I can have an objective opinion on things. Mm. I'm not just seeing it from one point of view. And I, it's only now that I've began to realise that I can have a voice on this. And again, I think it's right to promote the industry. It's right to bring people into it and show what a wonderful, diverse group of people we collectively are. And actually, is it not sensible to champion our industry, bring more people into it? Does it not make our lives essentially easier because... We have an opportunity to develop staff. We have an opportunity to recruit people because we've actually demonstrated that we're a wonderful industry to work for. Yeah, totally agree. And I, um, the piece of advice I gave someone recently, I was put on the spot and said, uh, someone said to me, what advice would you give yourself um, if you were my age? And that was... Glad you asked that because I was going to ask that. Oh, great. Okay. (laughs) And this was someone who is um, 
15, had just come up for a, a inspiring hospitality talent visit to the Savoy with me and uh, 23 other school children in January of this year. And they asked that question. And I said, um, just take a step back. I mean, my biggest criticism of myself is I, if I'm too close for a problem, the blinkers will go on and I won't see past it. Yeah. The minute you take a step back and see the bigger picture, and the bigger picture might be how to solve a financial problem, a service delivery problem, or actually where you take your own development, looking at the bigger picture, suddenly the answer will always be obvious. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's an awful lot of business, well, not specifically business, but there's a lot of decisions made on impulse. Mm. And whilst the overriding impulse may be right, <laughs> it's always worth a short period of re- reflection yep. before committing to something. You see it on social media a lot. You have people that want to air a grievance and they shoot from the hip and they say something that maybe if they'd have just taken an hour and then looked at it before they press send, they probably wouldn't have done. Yeah. And I think in business decisions, if you turn around, you have to be reactive on some occasions, but just take a moment, take a breath, and then is that the right decision? Yeah. And if it is, fabulous. If it isn't, great. Then you'll get the right decision. You won't have caused yourself an issue by doing something um, immediate. Yeah. No, absolutely. So um, what does the the next year hold in stall for Robert Richardson? Oh, well... um, Hopefully some sleep. Um, <laughs> I think things are ramping up in terms of work I'm doing under the Inspiring Hospitality Talent banner. I'm looking forward to doing a couple more of those these, this year. Okay. I think this, the the strategy behind it we perfected in the trip in January, which was the Savoy, the Strand Palace, uh, speed mentoring, etc. And I think that worked really well. So I'm keen to keep pushing that forward. Yep. I'm hoping to get some um, more people supporting me there because I don't want it to be a project solely driven by myself. It's an easily replicable thing. Mm. So I think hopefully that will improve. Um, I'm doing some work with the Institute of Hospitality and back at the Grand, we're looking at a very, very busy um, summer. It feels like a million years ago it was Christmas. So I think um, it's it's bizarre, it's bonkers. It's just gone so quickly this year and um, we're not into double digits in terms of weeks yet. Yeah. So no, I think all indications are it's going to be exciting and I don't think you can ask for any more than that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so... um... Any listeners out there who are intrigued about a career in hospitality, what advice would you give to them if they were considering this as a career of choice? If you're really serious about it, if you're really considering it, contact a business, any business that's a hospitality, a hotel, social media, a restaurant, whatever, and just say, could I spend a day with you? Yeah. And actually see it. Try before you buy, essentially. And no one will say no. Yeah, And if you come in enthusiastic, committed, know what you're talking about, of course they're going to hire you, because why wouldn't they? Yeah. I think I'd, I'd add to that is that don't necessarily um, just do it once. No, no Because there, there is a chance that, that you might not feel a connection with that business, with the yep. product that they're they're offering. Go and try a, a multi, multitude of Absolutely. things. Absolutely. I mean, um, I've, I've had it. I've joined businesses where day two I'm sitting there thinking, this is just not a good fit for me. And I've moved on to other businesses and thought, this is fantastic. So, no, you're right. Don't try one, try several. Don't just try hotels, try restaurants, try pubs, try stre- uh, recruitment agencies. Try everything with the hospitality banner, which is such a diverse industry, as we keep saying. Yeah. You will find something that um, you like and the sky won't be the limit. Yeah. And there's an awful lot of people in this industry with a giving mentality. I Absolutely. Mean, it's, it's kind of the the base point of um, of the industry in, mm. in the sense that we, you know, we, we offer a service to to people um you know come and ask for advice 
Um, it's I very agree. usually willingly given. Um, okay, uh, if people want to get a hold of you to maybe approach your business, uh, or, or then how do they do that? You can um, find us online, or I'm on Twitter at RBWR, or find me on LinkedIn. Social media is a wonderful tool. Drop me a line. Absolutely, the answer is yes. Fantastic. Well, I think that's a wonderful way to round it off. Robert, thank you very much for your time. It's been really lovely to chat. Thank you for inviting me. I've really enjoyed it. Very good. We'll speak again soon. Great. Thank you. And there we have it. What a pleasure it was to chat to Robert and what a great body of work he's done so far. For any feedback or if you'd like to be on the show to tell your story, just search for Hospitality Meets across any of the social channels. Don't forget to hit subscribe and tune in again next week for more stories from hospitality. Have a great week.